Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Amen. Thank you, Rob. Good morning, everybody. Well, I'm excited to be here, up here with you this morning, and I want to welcome everyone that's joining us on our online uh, viewing this morning, our live stream. Thank you for joining us. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to what I'm going to be sharing today. So I'm going to be talking to us about the presence of God. And my desire is not just to talk about it, to do this big teaching on it. I am going to take us through some, some scriptures here. Um, but it is to awaken a hunger in us to draw us deeper into the presence of God. And, and I believe that that invitation is for us individually and is for us for, as a body. And I think even just these worship songs that, were, um, that we were singing today about Jesus just as well that never runs dry. And then a couple of folks that come and came and released a prophetic word. And, uh, and I tell you, those folks that came and released those words didn't know what I was preaching on today. But it was just confirming to me that there is an invitation for us to go to the next water level, so to speak, in the presence of God. As a body, as individuals. And so my heart is to stir up some hunger because there are some different ways that that looks and that the Lord can minister to you in his presence. So um, I've titled this message, The Intensity of the Divine Presence. And I took that from a one line in this medieval text called the First Book of Monks. Now, I love studying the monks and the nuns and the theologians of old, I mean, early church, middle ages, because you definitely had a lot of crazy things going on in the church um, during all of those times. But you had these remnants, these burning lights that were shining in the midst of it. You had those that were hungry for God, and for them, theology was not getting a degree. For them, theology was a living encounter with the living God. And they gave themselves to prayer and fasting, a Sermon on the Mount lifestyle, and to making the presence of God, this intensity of the divine presence, a, a radical pursuit every day of their lives. And so this is from the first book of monks, the twofold goal of the life of a monk. Number one, to offer God a pure heart, free from all stain of actual sin. We do this when we are perfect in charity, for charity covers a multitude. And they say, we do this with divine grace. It's, it's offering God a pure heart. It's, it's that Ephesians 1.4, that he chose us and, and from the foundation of the world, that we might be holy and blameless in love. That's the goal, <laughs> to pour out to God a pure love offering. And then number two, to taste somewhat in the heart and to experience in the soul, not only after death, but even in this mortal life, the intensity of the divine presence and the sweetness of the glory of heaven. This is to drink of the torrent of the love of God. To offer God a pure love offering from a heart that's been transformed by his love. And to drink of the rivers, the torrents of his love, Psalm 36. I mean, they, they're taking verses right out of the Bible here and saying that is what Jesus has paid for with his blood. 
is for me to drink from this fountain of love that never runs dry and then to pour out a pure offering of love back to God in response. I think we need number two to get number one. (laughs) We need the drink of the love of God. We need the love of God poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors ourselves. Amen? Well, may the Lord grant us grace to drink of this torrent of his love this morning. Amen? So I want to talk about a few ways this divine presence, this presence of God, kind of how it shows up, how it manifests. When you take time, you set aside time in your day, time in your week, time on your Sunday morning, all of those things, you don't pick one, you do them all. (laughs) Time in your day, time in your week, time in the morning, Sunday morning, here as we gather corporately, how the Holy Spirit will manifest himself, both in your soul interiorly, um, in, in the interior, but also in, sometimes has some exterior effects. And, and, and I, I want to focus on what happens in the soul. But sometimes in the Bible, when the glory of God comes into the room, I mean, just get ready. You don't know what's about to happen. And I believe that's an invitation for our body. To step into that higher water level and to taste and to drink of these torrents of his love, and to say, God, whatever that looks like, if it's you, I want it. Amen? Okay, so we're going to talk about a few things and how that does transform us into his love. Uh, How does the Holy Spirit manifest? He manifests in one way as divine light, as this bright, shining light in the inside of our soul. It says in 1 Corinthians that God has shown the light of the knowledge of the glory of God into our hearts, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ into our hearts. So the radiance from the face of Jesus is shining divine light into your innermost being and causing it to be flooded with this divine light. God is light, 1 John says, and in him there is no darkness. What does that look like when the divine light manifests? It looks like revelation and wisdom. That his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And when you spend time in the presence of God and his divine light starts to manifest in your soul, you need wisdom for a particular situation. You want revelation and a deeper knowledge of who he is. You want understanding of his word. And you're reading the word. You're in the presence of God. And divine light is shining into your mind to help you understand what this word means. Now, some people ignore their Bibles because they say, I can't understand it. It's because we're leaning on our own understanding and not trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. It's because we're not trusting in that divine light. But when we open this Bible and say, God, shine light into my heart through your Holy Spirit, give me revelation and understanding in Jesus' name, amen, we read with a God-infused lens. And he will speak to us. He gives us guidance. He gives us, this light gives vision. It gives favor, the light of his countenance shining upon us. And we walk in favor with the assignment that God has given us. And this light, it releases a peace. It releases a joy. It strengthens our inner man because we've received wisdom. We've 
groan in revelation of Jesus. And oh, that's Jesus. You're beautiful. It's not just words coming out of my lips. It's because I've glimpsed your beauty. And it gives us peace because he gives us insight and wisdom on what we're to do in a specific situation. It's the light of God. Another way the Lord manifests. Oh, last thing. Is that that light, it, and that, that hope that releases into your heart, it crushes fear. <laughs> the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? When that light of God is shining on you and within you, it produces a courage and a boldness to stand, even in the midst of the deepest opposition you may be facing from the enemy. Amen? The second one, living water. This well of water springing up to eternal life from John 4.14. He said, if you drink of this well, you will never go thirsty again. Now, and what's interesting about God is, is that, you know, we come into his service or we go into our time at home and we spend time in his presence and we get filled up and then we get thirsty again. But when Jesus says you never go thirsty, it's because you have continual access to that well. You never have to worry about that well of love, as we're just saying, drying up. There's always life. There's always that living water you can come and drink of when your heart is dry. It, and, it, and John 7, 37 says that if you will drink, it will become in you uh, rivers of living water gushing, gushing, gushing out of your innermost being. This releases the life of God, a, a reviving of our soul, a, 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 a water to a dry and thirsty heart. And it releases healing in your innermost being. When those living waters start to wash over your heart and over your soul, you're sitting there soaking in that flood of God's presence and his life and his love. It heals those broken places on the inside of you. There is breakthrough in healing in those healing waters. Amen? Third, the Holy Spirit and the presence of God will manifest himself as fire. We like the fire. The fire of God. Our God is a consuming fire, Hebrews 12, 29. The, before the throne in Revelation 4 and 5, there are seven lamps, seven Flames of fire swirling around the throne of God the Father of the Ancient of Days. I mean, I, 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 I imagine this when I'm in Revelation 4. I mean, these are, these are not just little candle lights that are swirling around, like little lights flowing around me right now, which would be really cool. Um, but I mean, this is God. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. These are seven eternal flames burning before the throne of the Father. It ignites us with fervor and zeal. It cleanses and purifies us of sin and wrong thinking. Song of Songs 8.6 says, Put me like a seal on your, on your heart, a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death, jealousy is cru as, as severe as Sheol, and its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. The love of God is that very, those seven flames of Revelation 4, swirling and burning and purging and igniting love and passion for Jesus on the inside of your heart. And you come and you sit in the midst of that flame 
and his fire starts purging and purifying and strengthening your innermost being. Sometimes we feel that burning, and it hurts. Because everything that hinders love gets consumed by that divine fire. And it would be very wise of us to say, Jesus, whatever hinders love, come and burn it away. Because I tell you, each one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ on that last day. And all of our works will be tested through this fire. And everything built on gold, silver, and precious stones will be a final purifying and cleansing. And all of our love, all of our yes that we've said to Jesus in this life as we stand before, that fire will come and he will welcome us with glory. But if we hold on to those things that hinder love, if we say, you know, Jesus... I don't really want to let go of that. Jesus, I don't want to forgive that person. Jesus, I don't want to trust you with this place in my heart. I don't want to say yes to that assignment, Jesus. And we start, we start building our lives on wood and hay and stubble, and we will stand before that judgment seat of Christ, and all of it will burn up. We will be saved but as through fire. And we are given an invitation now to step into that divine flame and say, God, start burning now. Start giving me the gold. Start giving me the precious stones and start and and let my life be a pure offering of love to you. Amen? A rushing, refreshing wind. The ruach of God, the breath of God, the spirit of God. Genesis 2-7, the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils, and he became a living being. When the breath of God comes, when the Spirit of God comes as this refreshing wind, it revives us. It brings life to dead places in our hearts. It brings life to, um, to weariness. It brings life to dormant callings and gifts that God has put in your life. You know, some of us have had a call and a destiny in God, but we've been wounded, we've been hurt, we've been broken, and so we have we've stepped away from it, and those things have 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 died. They're they're like these dead dreams. But then the Holy Spirit comes as we spend time in his presence, and that breath of life starts breathing over our soul, and those gifts and callings that are irrevocable start to reawaken. He revives our soul. But this wind can be more than a nice, gentle breath. It can be a mighty, rushing wind, as it was in Acts chapter 2. That wind and fire came into the room, and then in Acts chapter 4, they prayed again for boldness to preach the gospel, and the wind of God, a rushing wind came, and it shook the, the building they were in. I mean, we've seen just in the natural the power of a tornado and what that does, even just a a 10-minute storm, and what that can do in the natural. We're talking about the living God and that whirlwind that comes, and it crushes the kingdom of darkness, and it 
enlivens our soul, but also gives us power and authority on our words and in our lives. It's a powerful, it's power, it's miracles, but it's also a power to fly and to soar in God. God, I feel like I'm running. God, I feel like I'm, lift, I'm limping along the journey. But then that wind of God comes in and you begin to soar in your destiny and call. You begin to soar in what God's called you to do. But even more than that, you can get caught up in your spirit. That wind of God can come. And like Paul, who is caught up into the third heaven, seeing indescribable beauty in the heavenly realm. And God wants to encounter us in that way. He catches our spirit up like he did Enoch, like he did Elijah. And we begin to see the beauty and the majesty and the splendor of our creator, of our king. Wind of God catches up this morning. Oil. Song of Songs 113. Your oils have a pleasing fragrance. Your name is like purified oil. This is the bride talking to the king. The name of Jesus. It's the sweetness of his presence. It's that delight in his, in his, in his nearness. It's, it's that when, he, when Jesus walks into the room, you are just, just your heart is glad because the person that you love and you enjoy is standing before you. It's a sweetness of his presence. It brings delight. It brings gladness. But it also, this oil of the Holy Spirit, it empowers us for our assignment that God has given us. In the Bible, kings and priests were anointed with oil before they stepped into their assignment. Jesus himself was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Luke 4.18, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Who needs the anointing of the Holy Spirit to fill out your assignment today? Come Holy Spirit, release that oil, release that anointing. And I love Zechariah 4, real key verse to this house. You see these, Zechariah sees these two lampstands before the throne of God, these two olive trees on either side, kind of like what's behind me right now, and golden oil pouring into these lampstands. This oil, and, and, and these are, and God said, he said, who are these, these lampstands that are standing before in the golden oil? Give me understanding. And he says, these are the two, the, that are st- the two sons of oil who stand in the presence of the Lord. And when we stand in the presence of the Lord, that oil of the Holy Spirit begins to flow into us and empower us to minister to God as a priest, and to declare his will and his power as kings. Amen? Wine. Song of Songs 1-2. May he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. This wine of God is an intoxicating love. That when we spend time in his presence and he manifests himself as this wine that's being poured out into your soul, it's causes you to be inebriated with his love. God, you're getting revelation of his love for you. And it's conforming your will to love him in the same way he loves you. It's giving you confidence to come into his presence knowing that you're loved. And it's giving you boldness to say yes to God. I mean, when people have too much to drink, all the words come out, their actions are are out of control. 
And I tell you, what man has tried to imitate, I say God's got something much better. That when man says, I, I, I just want to let go, I want to become bold, they just drink the wine over and over to where they're drunk. They can't think or do anything properly because this thing that man has created has taken over them. But when the wine of God takes over you, there's, a, there's an intoxication, there's a boldness, but there is a, there is a, there's a resoluteness and a sobriety. And it's not, you may, you may not be able to stand all the time, but as that, as your inner man gets strengthened, you drink of that wine of God's love and you are emboldened to perform works of love for God. You are emboldened to pursue him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It gladdens the heart, Psalm 104, 15, and wine, which makes the heart glad. It gives us this joy inexpressible, full of glory in his presence. And finally, the last one, and then we're going to pray. Glory. Glory. The glory of God. The glory of God, when it showed up, when he showed up, rather, in the Old Testament, when I looked up, the glory of the Lord. Um, um, found about 89 references, and, um, um, and a lot of them, a big chunk of them, were in the book of Exodus. And the camp of Israel is around, and they're talking with Moses, and then it says, and then the glory of the Lord came in their midst. The glory of the Lord showed up. There's, 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 the people are rioting and rebelling against Moses and Aaron, and then the glory of the Lord comes into the room, and everyone stops when the glory shows up. Because the glory of the Lord, it's a, it, it can be a visible manifestation of his presence or, or an invisible yet very weighty manifestation of his presence. This can come in your own time with the Lord. This can come in a worship service where the weightiness of God shows up that might affect your ability to stand. It releases an awe and a fear of God that produces reverence and worship. We saw this in 2 Chronicles 7 when Solomon is dedicating the temple. When he's done praying, it says fire comes down from heaven. So the fire shows up. It consumes the sacrifice. As we're a living sacrifice, the fire of God will come and consume us. But then it says, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord. I mean, it stops them in their tracks. Two chapters earlier, the glory of the Lord showed up. I mean, that's pretty amazing in two chapters for the glory of the Lord to show up twice. That's pretty intense. And, they, and the priests are there, but they could not stand and minister. They are on the ground face down. Isaiah sees the glory of the Lord come and fill the temple. Ezekiel sees the glory of God when he's hanging out by the river in Babylon. And, he, and it shows up, and just awe and even a terror comes over them. And, they are, and they're, on, they're afraid, but then God in his kindness, he's still kind, he lifts them up and says, you're going to stand in my presence. And you may feel impure right now, but my glory is going to come and touch your lips. It's going to come and touch your heart, and it's going to purify you and strengthen you to stand in my glory. So it knocks us down, but then it strengthens us to stand up. The face of Jesus radiates the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. 
these manifestations of God, I'm, I'm, I'm describing them to start, to, just, to, to, to start awakening some hunger in these. We want these in our lives. We want these personally. We want these corporately. And as we take time to drink of these torrents of God's love, this in, in taste to experience in the, in the heart, in the soul, in this life, not after we die and go to heaven, in this life, the intensity of the divine presence and the sweetness of the glory of heaven, we begin to get transformed into it. We abide in that, divine, that intensity of divine presence and we become a shining light. We become a refreshing spring to people around us. We become a consuming fire. And when they come in and the enemy tries to shoot these arrows against us, that flame of God says, not happening today, Satan. I am consumed and the enemy has no place in me. We become like those seraphim, those burning ones who burn before the presence of God. We become a refreshing, a powerful wind. Your words release life to those around you. Your, your, your words, your encouragement, a, a word of prophecy, even, even maybe just a, I love you, there's such power and anointing on it that someone that's walking around dead comes to life and awakens. We see it when we release the prophetic up here all the time. We become a fragrant oil. We become the aroma of Christ to those around us. We become an intoxicating wine. People see our boldness and love and knowing why is this person so confident in the love of God? And they begin talking to us and asking us questions. And we begin, and just like I did Tracy Eckert in 2008 when she came and spoke about prayer and the presence of God at a conference in Austin, I said, I've got about a thousand questions for you. My main question is, how can I know God this way? And then I started showing up to the prayer room to sit in the presence of the Lord. We become a weighty glory. His glory shines on the inside of us, and it radiates out of us. And people get revelation of Jesus by our words, by our actions, and even the fear of the Lord. Charles Finney, a second great awakening revivalist, he would send an intercessor where he would go and preach some couple of weeks beforehand named Daniel Nash. Daniel Nash would just go around the whole area and pray and pray and pray. God, come, bring conviction of sin, bring revival, bring glory. And then Charles Finney would come in, and there's a story of him walking into a factory, and just the glory of the Lord was so present that people started, that workers in the factory started falling down and weeping and groaning under conviction of sin. The glory of God would show up in his meetings powerfully because he was being transformed by that glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, drinking of this torrent of love, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So, let's stand. I'm going to have the media team put on some instrumental music, and we're going to pray. I think today is more about a yes in our hearts to this invitation to go to the next water level. You may be someone that's been kind of standing on the outside of the water, 
wondering if you should step in. Should, can I really experience God in this way? I see these other people talk about how they experience God, but I've never tasted of that myself. There's an invitation to come and put your feet in that water. Some of you have been tasting. Some of you have stepped in and have experienced God at a measure, but there's, there's a hunger for more. They're saying, I, 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 I hear people, I've, I've, I've tasted this, I've touched this, but God, it, it seems like that there's more. There's an invitation to come in to where it covers your needs. Those of you that have more experience in God, you've been praying for years. You've been like, I've been swimming in this, this glory of God. I love the presence of God. I want, but, but I want more. I'm hungry for more. There is an invitation to come and be totally consumed in this thing. And when God raises the water level, I tell you, that doesn't mean that the trouble in life stops. But I believe the Lord has spoken to us today that says that, that even if there's pain as you step closer into my presence, because I tell you, you step to that fire, everything that's not God starts to burn up and we feel it. But he says that the pain is going to be incomparable to the delight and the glory that's going to show up. And it's going to seem like so small of cost. When you start drinking of that torrent of my love, it's going to consume you. You're going to say, God, more, God, more, God, more, God, more. So I think that there is, here's an invitation today. And this really goes with what I've been saying things that Tracy has been saying for the past few months, of God setting things in order in our lives. Because when glory comes, He expects divine order. He expects things His way. Because that is the way you can maximize on His presence and be transformed in His love. Okay? So, just wait on the Lord for a moment. If you want that today, I'm just going to give you an opportunity to respond. You're saying, yes, God, I want to go to the next water level. I want it personally in my own life. I want it personally, I want, I want it corporately in this church, in this house of prayer. Come Holy Spirit right now. Just going to wait on him a few moments. Lord, come. As we're waiting, he lives in your innermost being. So turn your attention to that bright light that's on the inside of you. Lord, we're here today, and we say yes to this. And if that's, you know, there may be some in here that are just like, this is intense. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I'm not going to pressure you to say yes to this. I'm, I'm inviting you. And I hope you'll say yes to him because he's worth it. But I'm not going to force you. But if you know there's a yes in your heart to this today, yes, I want to go to this next water level, God. 
I want to offer you a pure heart of love, and I want to drink of the torrents of your love in a deeper measure. If that's you, I just want to invite you to raise your hands. And as you continue to tell them in your own words, I'm going to pray for each one of us. Just keep your hands raised, an act of surrender. God, we say yes. We say yes to this invitation. We say yes to stepping into this deeper water level, God. We say yes to a deeper level of offering a pure heart of love to you and of drinking of these torrents of your love. Father, would you bring divine order to our hearts? Would you bring divine order to our lives? Would you bring divine order to this community, God, that we may taste and see the fullness of the glory of God, that no drop that you have made available to us would fall to the ground, but each drop of life and glory would come and touch our souls. Jesus, take us deeper. Take us higher in your love. Cause us to drink of this divine presence. Cause us to fall deeper in love with your son. Unveil his beauty and majesty to us beyond all we can ask or imagine. And transform us into the image of God. Cause us to become fire and light. Cause us to become wind and water. Cause us to be wine and oil. Cause us to overflow with the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray.